This is Diana George, your leading HR expert, and you're listening to Chasing Dreams with Amy J. Welcome to Chasing Dreams podcast with Amy J. Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams, Amy J. Dream Chasers, this is Amy J, and thank you so much for tuning into episode 179 of Chasing Dreams. But first, guys, a word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by our Patreon campaign supporters. Thanks to all of you for your support. Beginning January 2019, as a thank you, Patreon supporters will have exclusive initial access to a bonus video conversation with our guests. Even donating a dollar an episode goes a long way. For more information on our Patreon campaign and or if you'd like to donate to help keep the show going, please visit amyj21.com slash Patreon. Guys, in honor and recognition of Black History Month, I have an amazing dream chaser to introduce you today. Her name is Diana George. She is the founder and president of By George HR Solutions. She has worked with global companies with an international presence such as Bose and the luxury watch brand Omega. With her leadership, she was able to put together winning teams that contributed positively to their organizations. Diana maintains that integrity is the most vital and strongest trait of any organization. And I have to agree. With over three decades experience and a career that has encompassed leadership in retail, nonprofit, health, and wellness in the private sector, Diana works with companies to realize and strengthen the resources they have in their employees. I had so much fun talking to Diana, like so much fun. And I wasn't sure I would, given that she works in human resources, because what do we know about HR, guys? You learn a lot about HR today. And whether you are a solopreneur, you're on your own, or you're a career person, this is the episode to listen to. It is full of nuggets, full of knowledge, and things you can apply to your own life, not just your career. So without further ado, guys, check it out. Diana, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here today. I'm glad we were able to get our schedules aligned to make this happen. (laughs) Absolutely. Sometimes it takes a little bit of time, but I'm excited also. But at the same time, you know, I think things happen at the right time because while we're recording this, um, it's the new year. It's the beginning fresh starts of sorts, right? So it's a chance for people to kind of listen. And um, when this airs, it'll be a month or two in, but... It's still early and still new for people. Absolutely. The end of the year and the beginning of the new year always symbolizes some some things. You you take a really look at what you've done for the end of the year and then you start putting those goals in place for the new year. So I'm excited. Here's the interesting thing. You have a background in HR. And, you know, when when you were recommended to come onto the show, part of me was like, "Mm, HR, what what could we talk about? But then I started thinking about it. And really, we are our own HR, aren't we? We are. I mean, everybody is really HR. And I think people really don't understand what HR is. And really, HR is your moral compass Mm. in any organization and in life. 
that's what HR really does. And they help people navigate through that itself. And so I think that right now is a crucial time in our society and everything that's going on. And so really having everybody understand that we all have that moral compass to do better, to be better, to help other people to be better. And so HR really spreads across the board. And um, when you take a look at even in organizations, it's not just the HR department. Everybody really wears an HR hat to some aspect of degree. It's interesting you say that because it, in any organization, oftentimes we think HR, we're thinking how the employer, at least I am, how the employer can help the employee. But right. we don't, and again, maybe it's just me, I don't think so though, that we often forget that HR can help the employee just as much. Right. And, and it is a beneficial thing. One of the things that I really love about HR and when done effectively you bring people together and you get to take a look at a viewpoint because you're exterior to it a lot of times. And so you see both ends and what you're trying to do is really come up for the best solution for both ends and whatever's going on in any situation itself. And you're that voice, you're that voice um, that is on both sides. And so a lot of times people have a misconception that HR is just on the side of the employer and not necessarily the employee. And that's not accurate either. It has to be that synergy. It has to be something that's in the middle that really works for both sides. And so uh, literally in my HR career, I have been on the side of the employee because the employee was right. And so it really is who is really right at that particular point in time. And it's about fairness, about justness. And it's just really taking the side of what is should be done and done the right way. You're just you're reading my mind because I was going to ask you, what is the biggest misconception people have about HR? Because, uh, you know, sometimes I'm like, mm, I don't what, go to HR. What are they going to do? And you're right. I mean, if we give it a chance. There's probably more that you can do than I than I realize that I expect. Right. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, HR encompasses everything. And the thing about HR is you really touch that employee's life cycle from beginning to end. Yes. So HR really starts in the very beginning when that person is interviewing itself, uh, when they're hired, when they're onboarded, when they have, you know, uh, um, issues uh, throughout their employment. And it could be anything from medical or dental or compensation issues, health benefits, or even things that happen. I mean, sometimes, you know, you have death, so you have other things that happen. And so HR touches all aspects of that if done correctly. And so we are from the very beginning of that life cycle of that employee, we're there and we see that through. And so that that's the exciting point part because you really get to know people. And so um, I say that when you're in HR, when you're in human resources, you really do have to enjoy and love people. So I got to ask, because I don't know of anyone who's just kind of, when they're young, said, I'm going into HR. Or maybe, maybe there are people out there, I'm not knocking you guys, okay? I'm not knocking it. I'm just wondering, how did you get into HR? Was this something you've always wanted to do? Um, it was totally by mistake. It really? was, totally, yes, it was totally by mistake. Um, I worked, I worked for uh, a few uh, Fortune 500 companies and very global companies. And one of those companies was Bose Speakers years ago. Mm. And one of the things, and this was early on in my career, and I was a manager at the time, I was a store manager. And one of the things that I was truly impressed with was the relationship that our human resource department had with the managers and how much they really work with us to give us the tools and resources to be effective in our jobs. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I, I had a little bit 
that I got during that time frame. But then um, throughout my career, I became a consultant at one time and I was working with companies, small to mid-sized companies. And one of the things that I always found out is that even though the business owner had something that they wanted in mind to handle, I, most of the time, I couldn't really do that unless I handled the employee relation thing. Yeah. And so you really had to go back because you have to remember that your employees are your greatest brand ambassadors. And so if you have issues or you have things that's going on and you don't have those handled, all those other things that you're trying to do, it'll be very difficult to do. And so really having what I say is happy employees is the key to everything. Because when you have happy employees, happy employees are productive employees. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have a lot of things that's going on and you don't have happy people that are working within your organization, you're going to have a lot of issues. You're going to have problems that are unexpected to you or that you don't even think are there. But employees talk amongst themselves. That's the key thing that you have to remember. Yes. It's about building relationships. Yes. Employees do talk to one another and they they know the the dirt, the skinny, the whatever you want to call it about how things are. Uh, and sometimes not on necessarily on a managerial level. Exactly. And so it, once again, if you're going to be effective in human resources, you want to build relationships so that people will come and they will share things with you and let you know, because that's the only way that you can really get in and handle things sometimes is if they come to you. Because like you said, a lot of times they won't go to necessarily to management. They'll talk amongst themselves. But really, when you take a look at it and what I've always expressed to them is go to someone that can really help you and make a difference, because if you're talking to each other and really no one can can do anything different about the situation, then you're not going to get anything productive out of it. Sure, sure. Let me, you said something interesting about brand ambassadors, mm-hmm. which I thought was very poignant because it, we talked earlier about how we are with, we have our own HR within ourselves and how we are our own brand ambassadors, I would think, for ourselves. So when you're looking at yourself and you're trying to figure out what is it, what, when an employee comes to you, in Mm -hmm. HR and they are the brand ambassador and having a happy employee is important. What is it you look to when they come to you with an issue? Is it circumstantial? Is it, is it about the circumstances or is it about how that employee is feeling? I think it's a little bit of everything. It's how they're feeling. It's um, about a decision. It's about the situation. What I normally find out is that people have the answers themselves, but sometimes they're not quite sure. So having that additional person Mm. to have that conversation with, then they come to the conclusion, oh, I've I've had the right answer. It's, It's interesting because a lot of times people initially think that as human resources, you're there to solve and handle everybody's problems. And you're really not. They have the answers for themselves sometimes they don't necessarily realize it and so my job becomes letting them know and listening to them and having them understand that they do have the answers for themselves because if you can help somebody actually solve something themselves rather you doing it for them you make them more at cause in their own life and so that's my thing I always try to put an individual at cause over whatever situation is going on so they feel more you know uh they feel better about the situation because now they can handle it themselves and they have the answers instead of somebody having all the answers for them. So let me take that, take it outside of the company for a person Mm -hmm. who is struggling, right. And trying to figure out, do you think it's a similar, a, a similar analogy can be made? 
Absolutely. So one of the key things that I have always said, and I'm a firm believer in this, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't separate personal and professional. So you're the same person at at home that you are at work. And so a good example of that is if you have an employee that's always late Mm -hmm. and they they come to work late all the time. Time. You know, the thing is, and the key is to really figure out, okay, what is it that has them, you know, where they're always late? Because understand this, if they're late at work all the time, they're also late in their um, personal life as well. So there's a key group of people that are always saying they're never on time. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's always going to be late no matter what. So what happens is if you can help an employee solve something at work, you're going to help them do better in their own personal life as well because they go hand in hand. They're not separate. And that's vice versa as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people think that they're separate. They're, they're, very, they're not. So the same issues or same challenges that you have at work are the same challenges that you have within your personal life. If you have communication issues and you really can't get along with people at work, I guarantee you, you're having similar issues with the personal life. And it's interesting you say that because so you're saying personal professional tie into one another. And I'm Absolutely. seeing more and more organizations providing resources for help whether it is um, addiction, whether it's mental health. And do you think that's something that we should be seeing more of in new companies, uh, growing companies, these resources to help people, not just professionally, but things personally as well? And I think your most successful companies realize that and they are handling things in that way. It's that whole, you know, work-life balance, you know, that's always been an issue itself. And so it really is something that you need to take a look at on a much larger basis itself because you want to have, you know, not only a happy employee, but you want to have a well-adjusted employee. You want to have someone that's thriving not only in their personal life, but also in their professional life when they come to work because you're going to get the best out of that individual individual itself. They're going to be better in their own communities. They're going to be better at home. They'll be better husbands, wives, you know, it doesn't matter. They'll be better. And when somebody feels great about themselves, then they do better in whatever it is that they're doing. And so I think those companies that are doing very well, they're realizing that now and they're investing in their employees all the way around. What do you tell people who are reluctant though, to embrace these services? Well, let me, let me not assume are there employees that are reluctant to embrace those kinds of services? I, I think there are sometimes, but I think that comes from a uh, misconception. And, you know, I, there's kind of sometimes that like, okay, I'm not sure whether I should trust this or not. And I've had had those, those situations. Um, you know, I had one young lady uh, that she had come from another company. This is when I was working in corporate America and uh, she was having some challenges and I had gone to her and, you know, I wanted to talk to her a couple of times itself. And then, you know, and she finally admitted, she goes, I'm not used to human resources being there the way that you, you, that you are. Mm-hmm. But once she let me in, you know, together, we were able to find something that was help, very helpful for her. And she really thanked me afterwards. But it came from that understanding of this is not typically what I'm used to when it comes to human resources. And so I think it's really important that we do help, um, you know, employees, you know, all the way around. Because like I said, then they're, they're better. They do better in anything that they're doing. And they appreciate it itself. You know, to, to listen to someone and just validate them or just acknowledge them 
it, it's so crucial sometimes. You know, sometimes people are not looking for anything but that, yeah. just an acknowledgement or just validation that, you know, hey, you know, I, I'm doing something and I am valued. And that goes such a long way. Because at the end of the day, people work for other people. They do not work for companies. They work for other people. That is a great distinction you just made. People work for other people. And I think, you know, perspective is, is a very powerful thing. And if you kind of change that, your perception of how your life is changes as well. I mean, do you have people that kind of go through that once they realize, hey, I'm working for a company that's taking care of me versus people who think uh, this com- I'm just a worker bee? Yeah. And I, I think that it goes both ways. And that's why I think it's so crucial for companies as they hire people. You want to hire people um, that fit your organization itself. And so it, it needs to go both ways. That individual that's looking for a job, that's looking for a career, they want to make sure that it, it is in line with what their goals are, you know, whether it's socially, whether the company is heading in the right direction. And the same thing, the company wants to make sure that they're hiring people that are in line what it is that they're looking at themselves. And so it goes both ways. And sometimes I think that people miss the boat on that. It's not just about the money, because as you know, we've seen people that have gone into jobs and been miserable. They're making money, but they're not really happy and vice versa. And so there really needs to be that, you know, that synergy and, you know, it needs to work for both groups itself, both parties, because that's when you have the best results. I'm curious, while I have you here, and with the experience you've had, Have you noticed that in the companies that allow for remote employment, whether it's one day a week or the flexibility to work remotely, that those employees do better or the company is healthier in sorts to companies who are like five days a week, you have to be in the office. There is no exception. Just curious, based on your background and everything you've had. I've I've seen both. And I think that once again, when you have a company that understands, you know, the dynamics of a a group of people and understands, you you know, family life and Mm -hmm. gives that option, then that means that people will still try to do their best because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's about people doing their best or putting in all, all that they have. But if you make it very challenging for them to do that and there's all these rules and restrictions, you will not get the best of that person. But if, you know, from them working remotely from home, let's say two days a week and, you know, they're still uh, accountable sure. for what is it they need to do and you can actually see that but it allows them to be able to give their best. Mm-hmm. Why not? So Why not? It, it seems that that goes right back to what you were saying earlier about people being brand ambassadors for a company. Right. Right. And I I always say this, it doesn't matter what product that you have. You can have the best product that is out there, but you have employees that have to be able to, you know, help sell that product or whatever their job is within the company itself. And so they are your best brand ambassadors. And I think that we always need to remember that itself, because when we treat employees, you know, appropriately or when we make it so that they are part of a family, because let's face it, 70 percent of your time is at work. Yeah, it's a great amount of time. You spend more time with people at work than you do with your own family, some 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 days itself. And so it needs to be a, something that is not only workable, but something that's satisfactory and enjoyable, right. you know, for somebody. You know, you want it where people get up every day and say, oh, wow, I want to go to work. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing worse than that feeling of, oh, my God, <laughs> I have to go Dread- in. Dreading it work. and dragging it. Yeah, exactly. 
exactly. That's that's not a happy employee, and that winds up over a course of time becoming very toxic. Yeah. And it doesn't work for either ends. And so, you know, putting some things there and, and making it fun. I mean, I, I think that, you know, there is this misconception also that if people are having too much fun, they're, they're not, not really. Exactly. And and that's that's truly the opposite. Mm-hmm. When you can really make something fun for a person and make it a game, you're going to get so much more performance at the end of the day, sure. you know, versus, OK, you can only do this at this time versus this time itself. And so I, I think a lot of companies are starting to realize that. So with with the being somewhat into the new year and people may be looking for jobs, I've been on both ends, being the interviewer and the interviewee aside from this podcast and this kind of a thing, but actually for employees to join teams that I've been on. And I have, I tend to have, I guess, a different style from some of the other people I've interviewed with, meaning um, my coworkers who are looking only for the background and education. Mm -hmm. And I have the tendency to look for somebody's personality. How -hmm. do they fit with the team? How do they seem? Because you can always, do they have the minimum education? Because you could always train for everything else. And I'm not sure, what do you think is the, I hate to say right approach, but recommended approach, maybe? I totally agree with what you just said. You know, there might be a certain amount of skill set that an individual needs to be able to do Mm -hmm. to get that job done. But I also look for personality. I'm looking for willingness itself Mm -hmm. because you can have someone that has all the education and has all, you know, checks the box on all these things. But if they're not that team player, if, you know, they don't have that type of personality, you're still going to run into issues. You're still going to run into problems. So it really needs to, you know, be that cultural fit, you know, itself and what works for that company. You know, it's interesting because some people can get, can interview well and just not do well. So I try to throw in, um, Questions like, you know, I learned this from one of my earliest employers. He he was an awesome guy. Uh, He took me in as a a paid intern and he said, listen, we're all equal here. You know, everyone does the job. It doesn't matter if you're a lawyer, if you're an intern, associate, whatever. If I need you to clean the the bathroom, because it was a small place. Like, if you need to clean the bathroom, are you okay with cleaning the bathroom? Because we all have to pitch in. And I was so blown away by that because I'm like, well, yeah, I want the opportunity. I, you know, no job is too small. That was my mentality. So I tend to ask people, not necessarily, will you clean the bathroom, but will you do something menial? Is that above you? Do you have a go-to kind of question to kind of bear it out or just kind of get a sense of someone when you talk to them? There's a couple of them. One of the ones that I I really love, and and I always ask this question is, tell me some type of achievement that you're really proud of or you think will impress me. And I always say it does not necessarily have to be professional. Mm -hmm. It could be personal as well. But what that does is it really breaks the ice because some people, like you said, they interview very well. Other people, not so well. But you will really get an underlying and you will really find out from that person what they're passionate about. And you will see it because they will light up as they're telling you what this is. Mm-hmm. And, they, it, and it allows you to start asking more questions and really getting a feel for them. So that's one. Um, another question that I always ask uh, everybody is, I, you know, if I was to go back and ask your previous uh, supervisor um, and ask them, you know, what's the area of improvement for you? What would that be? It's a good one. And so, 
that that tends to, you know, and, and you sometimes you get people that are afraid to, you know, show that they have an area of improvement, but that's okay because we all have areas of improvement, but it really uh, gives you insight to the individual because some people will delve right in and they'll be very, very honest with you. And I like that because you know, you have that person that's in communication with you and they're willing to be vulnerable. They're willing to put themselves out there and it allows you now as an employer to know how you can help that person. Because at the end of the day, it is all about helping each other. And so um, as an employer, you want to be able to help an employee, but sometimes employees are not always uh, forthcoming because they don't want to seem weaker. They don't want to seem like they have it. Yes. They have something right. They don't want. They don't want to appear because it is. It is almost seems like okay. If I show them this, or I'm not really good at this, maybe I won't get the job, or maybe I'm not the right person. But I don't think anybody's looking for anybody that's perfect. But they are looking for somebody that's willing to put in the effort and really be in communication to say, okay, I'm not sure about this. You know, I, I need help in this. And so I think that's very important. Also, is asking for help. And I think that in the past, that's always been kind of that sign of, you know, well, I don't want to do that because that's a sign of weakness, but we all need help. And so being willing to ask for that help and not just assuming on the employer side, not just assuming that they know everything and that they don't need that help. That is a great point, because I think if you can't ask for help, you're just going to struggle. And that's just going to lead to sadness and frustration. And like you said, it it seems to like snowball from there. Unhappy employee unhappy employer, you know, and it all is circular, isn't it? Everything is connected, as you were saying. It really is. It, it really is. And so that's why it's so key to have a cultural fit. And every company has their own, you know, different culture as to what they're looking for, what really works itself. But having an individual that, that is that cultural fit is so important within the organization because they'll do well. You know, uh, they'll if communication is the thing and, you know, this this is how we operate and the person really comes in and that's they're able to do that, mm-hmm. then they'll, they'll fit right in. And so um, have, understanding, knowing what is the cultural fit itself is is so important. But I think that as individuals, um, just even taking more of an approach, you know, there's even a difference between a job and a career. Mm. You know, do I want that job? And, and, you know, that job is something that I'm just going to to get the paycheck at the end of the day that I'm not invested in. Or do I want a career, something that I am excited about that, you know, when times get hard, I'm willing to invest and, you know, put my own commitment in because I can see the results of that. And so there is a difference between even a job and a career. And so, you know, employers are looking for people that really want careers. And as an individual looking, you should be looking for that as well, because that's going to be more satisfactory at the end of the day versus, okay, I'm just waiting for my paycheck at the end of the week. So it's interesting you say that because, you know, the show and and people who listen are looking for inspiration for what they do. Sometimes people hear that and think, well, that's it. I I can only do my career. I can't pursue my passion of cooking on the side. It's, that's it. Do you think that's actually a true statement that if you have a career, you can't chase your dreams afterwards? Oh, no, absolutely not. I think that chasing your dreams is so important, no matter what the dreams are. And so, you know, sometimes, you know, you start out in one thing and you start chasing what your dreams are and then they all connect. And I think at the end of the day, it's connected. And I think we've heard Oprah Winfrey and other people say, you know, if you're doing something that you really love to do, whether or not you be paid for it or not, at the end of the day, it's going to result in, in that thing that you love to do and, and, 
it's being very satisfactory and and also being what you what you need to do at the end of the day. And so there's nothing more important than chasing your dreams um, each and every day. And if you're a parent, it's even more important because you want your kids to see that you want your kids to understand and see that they should be doing the same thing itself. You know, there's nothing worse than, you know, getting up every day and just feeling so unfulfilled because you won't step out there and, and chase or just reach itself. And, you know, you don't want to, you know, leave this earth saying, I wish I could have, should have, you know, would have itself. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because I've had a number of different um, careers or just types of careers, you know, um, computer engineer, lawyer, contract manager, you know, all these things, and podcast interviewer and stuff. And I've found that I've still always been able to chase my dream. But what the interesting thing I found looking back is the skills I learned in these jobs helped me in my dream chase. Like I became better. I knew how to organize things. I knew what to look for because of the job, not in spite of the job. And do you think that's a, a common thing that happens for people? I think it's a common thing that happens for people, but I think they have to be um, cognitive of it itself. Mm -hmm. Because I do believe that in every job that you have, you know, whether it's a job, a career, like you just said, there's something that you can get out of that that's going to help you to get to that next level. Mm -hmm. And so really figuring out what it is and like, there's something that I can learn here. So what is the learning experience? What can I learn here that I'm going to take with me itself? And to your point, I've done the same thing throughout my career. I mean, I've done a, a lot of different jobs. I've done a lot of different things, but it's like, okay, I'm looking for that thing that I can really latch on to, learn, grow, and take that with me to the next job or the next position or wherever I go in life itself. So it really is about learning. Well, it sounds like, you know, from your background and how you accidentally fell into this job and this work, that you've always kind of followed where your heart and passion is, not just necessarily where money is. I could be wrong, but uh, is, do you think that's a fair statement to make? Oh, that that is truly fair. I mean, I, I I've been called the wild person before, you know, to drop <laughs> up a dot to do something different itself. But you know, that's that's you know been the thing that's fulfilled me itself. And I think you know, like you just said, at the end of the day, it's not just about money. But I can tell you that as a result of my chasing my dream, mm -hmm. the money has come. And I think it goes hand in hand when you're really doing something that you love to do the money will come. It will be there because it's going to show up in other ways itself. And so we have to be willing to just step out there and kind of like, what is it that I really want to do and be willing to, you know, chase the dreams. You know, you said something interesting there where the money will come. And I think sometimes we think it has to come in the form of 150K, that it has mm -hmm. to be that much. And I, I was saying in a, in a video on Instagram earlier, um, for a January challenge that there are people out there who are happiest making $21,000 compared to someone who's making 90 K right. and they're just fulfilled and happy with what they're doing their lot in life. And I think sometimes we value money, the physical type and don't realize that money can come in different forms of currency for us. And do you think that's something that people mistake that they're, they're following the physical money and forgetting that money can come in different forms. 
Um, yeah, I, I think we do that a lot of times itself. And, and so sometimes, you know, it's like going back to when you were a little kid. Mm-hmm. And I remember my son, you know, Christmas time comes and you go out and as a parent, you know, you want them to open up all these gifts and be happy with all these things. And meanwhile, my son was happiest playing in the box. Uh- <laughs> 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 that the things came and so it goes back to even at the age where we're so young, it's not, you know, it's not necessarily the things it's about the enjoyment that you get out of being a part of life and just living life. And sometimes that comes in different forms. And so, you know, uh, being financially uh, wealthy comes in a lot of different uh, forms and a lot of different ways. And it's not just always the money at the end of the day. Can I ask you a question in terms of HR and companies and employees? What is one common mistake that employers, let's go with employers, make that they don't realize, and if they're listening to this, should probably reevaluate. Um, there's a couple things because I take a look at uh, you know so many of the things that we have going on right now when it comes to sexual harassment mm. itself. Um, I would say that it's not so much the sexual harassment. I've been listening to this dialogue for quite a while right now. And, you know, all the companies where people have come out and said different things itself. I think it goes back, uh, uh, you know, further than that. It goes back to respect in the workplace. And that starts at the very beginning. It starts during the interview process. It starts, you know, when you engage somebody. It starts when an employee starts. It starts when they onboard. So it, it, it starts earlier on. And when you really put that there, respect in the workplace, you know, then you kind of negate some of the things that we have going on right now, or you don't get to that point. And if I even take it further back, we need to be implement this in high schools and schools. It needs to go, it it needs to go way back itself. Yes, exactly. So I, I think, you know, respect in the workplace and really making sure that we have that intact and it starts. I mean, it's there and it's pervasive throughout their entire organization so that there is never, a, you know, someone that feels like I can't come forward and I can't say something. Or even when people see other things around them, that they've been uh, trained in such a way that they understand that this is not right. And I need to to let somebody know what's going on. So I look at some of the incidents that we have recently, uh, you know, had and some of the things that we've experienced in this this country recently. And it's like, you know, that somebody had to know something, somebody saw something, somebody had to know something, but at the same time, people did not necessarily feel comfortable or they felt like, well, this is part of the culture and that should never be the case. And so you know, we, we need to make sure that everybody's informed so that in the very onset of things that people will say, this is not right. And we need to stop this now. On the flip side, what do you think is a common mistake or change that employees should make? Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of employees, I, I think sometimes they don't go with what they know is right. I think that sometimes employees um, for fear of, well, I may lose my job or retaliation itself. And I've had that. I mean, I've done investigations and, you know, I've had uh, conversations with people and they said, well, I didn't want to come forward because of this. And then when you ask them the question, but that didn't work, you know, it's like nothing is ever going to change if you're not willing to stand up for something. And sometimes it takes courage. And I think that, you know, employees also have to have the courage to understand, is this an environment that I want to be in is good for me or not? Yeah. And, 
you have to be willing to take that stand and say, you know, this is not, you know, organization or this is not necessarily, you know, what I want to be a part of or be willing to step up and have the right conversations with the right people within the organization if you see something that's not being done correctly. And it's it's so important, It not just in the workplace, it goes back to what you were saying about how professional and personal are intertwined. People try to separate it, but uh, I know personally, I like to keep work life at work, meaning in the sense of, I don't like to work at home if I can help it. Right. Like, just, just in that sense. But in reality, um, they all c- go hand in hand, don't they? Yeah, they do. Very much so. Very much so. But Diane, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. Before I let you go, I have to ask you one important question. Absolutely. What is one thing you would recommend a dream chaser do today? I think uh, the one thing that I would recommend is to write down your dreams. Because I think when you put things in writing, it becomes so much more real and tangible itself. And when you put things in writing, you now can start to put the plan in place to reach those dreams. So there's a difference between having a dream and just, you know, speaking it or putting it there, but then doing something about it. Mm -hmm. Because if you want to really reach your dreams, you have to do something about it. And that means you have to put a plan of action in place to make that that happen. Dan, thank you again for coming on the show. I love this conversation. You have so many insights. And I just hope you guys listening, take her words and implement it in your life. And if you have a, a job in your career as well. Thank you again. Thank you so much, Amy. Thank you. I really enjoyed this. I'm so glad we were able to finally connect. And there you have it, guys. That was Diana George. She was an awesome person to have for honoring Black History Month. And I'm so glad she was able to come on the show. Guys, if you want to learn more about Diana or get any of the links and notes we mentioned, you can find them on the show notes page over at amyj21.com slash episode 179. That's episode 179. And as a reminder for our Patreon supporters, you guys can find a behind-the-scenes video interview that we've done with Diana just for you guys as a thank you for all your support. That you can find at amyj21.com slash Patreon. Until next time, Dream Chasers, keep chasing. Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams. Connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram via at Chasing Dreams HQ. Or you can find Amy on Twitter at AmyJ21. That's A-I-M-E-E-J-2-1. Be sure to visit headquarters over at ChasingDreamsHQ.com for more inspiration, motivation, and resources to help with your own dream chase. We hope you'll join Amy next week. And until then, keep chasing.